Genesis chapter number three, verses number four, the scripture declares, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Father, now in Jesus' name again, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for the direction, what you have whispered in my spirit to give to the people of God. I realize of myself, I'm absolutely nothing. Can't do a thing without you, Jesus. So I'm leaning and depending totally upon you. And it is in your precious name. Amen and amen. Um, I, I stole slash borrowed my, this declaration of faith that I saved. Every time I preach um, from one of my mentors and fathers in the gospel and um, he says it a little bit different than than I do. But I kind of I kind of critiqued it and, and altered it a little bit to fit me. And and when I say this it's more than just a declaration of faith it's actually a life statement for me that watch this. This is my Bible. I am what it says. I am. I can do what it says I can do. I, I believe. I'm a believer and not a doubter or a doer. And not just a hearer and my life. And I really like that part. Everybody just shout, and my life. And my life. Watch this. Is the better. After hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. My, the totality of my life, the quality of my life, watch this, is dependent no, no disrespect, but I want you to see this. The, the totality of my life, the quality of my life is dependent upon me standing on the rock of the word. When I not only hear this, but I choose to obey it and watch this as I'm navigating through life, I make the choice to apply the principles to every situation in my life. I want to help somebody. Because there are too many believers we're picking and choosing what we want to believe and what we want to apply concerning the word of God. So I will apply it in this area, but I won't apply it in that area. I'm telling you today that your, the, the quality of your life, my God, the fruitfulness of your life is dependent upon how you hear when you choose to obey and apply the word of God. In every area of your life. And that's one of the things that I love about the word of God. That it literally speaks to every significant area in my life. It talks to me concerning my, my finances. It talks to me concerning my thought life. It talks to me concerning my physical body. And yes, it talks to me even concerning relationships. And that's what we're in the middle of a series. Matter of fact, I'm adding some concluding thoughts to this series. Rocky Relationships. Um, and what I'm simply doing is just extrapolating principles out of Genesis chapter number three, things that I see in the text that tends to cause relationships to be shaky. Week number one, we highlighted the fact that you need to un avoid unproven and unholy voices in your ear, unproven and unholy voices in your ear, simply unproven when you have people talking to you about relationship issues when they have no fruit about the things that they're talking about. They're giving you wisdom and advice how you should treat your husband and spouse and their relationship is a wreck. Unproven. Watch this. And not only unproven, but sometimes those voices are unholy. They're giving you counsel at times that contradicts the word of God and contradicts the plan of God for your life. You have to avoid that. Eve was talking to a snake. 
Week number two, we talked about confronting sin. Now, there are times when it's appropriate to overlook certain faults, but then when sin is there, you must deal with it because if you don't deal with the sin, I'm telling you, it will deal with you and your relationship. Week number three, which was last week, we talked about taking ownership of your failures and adequately apologizing because watch the wisdom. You shouldn't wait for somebody to apologize for their 70% of the issue. Go ahead and apologize for your 30% and give it in God's hand to deal with them concerning their 70%. There are a lot of relationships that are on hold right now, cannot move forward because you've allowed bitterness to set up in your heart and you won't deal. Watch this. You waiting on God to deal with them, but you won't deal with the bitterness in your own heart. Take ownership. Somebody shall take ownership. Yes, take ownership of your part, your failures, and adequately apologize. Today, I want to deal with this final thought of maintaining uninterrupted communion with God. Maintaining uninterrupted communion with God. The Bible declares in Genesis 3 and 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And look what they did. The scripture declares, and they hid from the Lord. They ran from God. They have did something that has interrupted the, the, the connection between them and God. Understand, if you want your horizontal relationships to be sound, then you must have your vertical relationship with God sound. Because whenever there's an interruption vertically, there will always be disharmony, confusion horizontally. I wonder, can somebody say amen right there? Yeah, so maintaining uninterrupted communion with God. When I think of this particular thought, there are three things that come to mind, and I want to deal with the third one today. Number one, a lifestyle that is inviting to God's presence. And there are many notes that I have here that are not on the screen. Just want you to just listen to me and just jot it down as it comes to you. A lifestyle that is inviting to God's presence. Now, um, one of the pastimes or things that my wife and I, we enjoy doing is just kind of sitting down on the couch, cuddling, watching television. And, and um, I'm kind of like an action guy. I like action movies. And my wife, she's, she likes the stuff that makes you cry. And I don't know, think about all your other problems and stuff, whatever. So a lot of times I wind up caving into what she wants to watch. But there is this certain series that I absolutely love that she can't stand. And that series is Star Wars. And um, my favorite, my favorite character, can anybody guess? Can y'all guess? My favorite character. No, not Darth, Darth Vader. It is Darth Maul. Y'all don't know nothing about Maul. Y'all know anything about Darth Maul? I love his character. I love everything about him, how, just how he plays out throughout the entire series. And, and so, so when she comes into the room and I'm watching Star Wars, it could be Clone Wars, it could be the animated series, it could be one of the six original, it doesn't matter. When she comes in, she does, I, it's clockwork, the same thing every single time. She walks into the room and she said, oh, you watching that? And she pauses for like two seconds. And I understand what that two-second pause is. That two-second pause is find something that's going to make us both cry and be depressed before we go to bed. That's what that two-second pause is. So I have a choice either, okay, babe, I'm going to find something else. Or watch this. I sit there and I continue to watch it and I just say, hey, sweetie. Now, if I continue to watch it, I have created an uninviting atmosphere, and she's not going to be there very long. She's going to go into the next room and watch something else. What are you trying to say? Silly example, but what are you trying to say, Pastor? There are times when you have situations in your life that's uninviting for God. And he chooses, I'm not going to sit in this mess here. Come on, somebody. I, I know that the Holy Spirit abides on the inside of you, but there's a difference between the abiding presence and the manifest presence. The abiding presence is the fact that God is with me everywhere I go because he said in his word that I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. But there's another realm, my God, called the manifest presence of God where not only is he there, but he, he flexes his muscles and he throws his weight around in your life. I don't know about you, but I need the manifest presence of God. I need God moving on my behalf. And we break connection with God when we create environments that is uninviting with him. 
What, what are you trying to say? Let me go ahead and explain a little further. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Many of us, matter of fact, probably all of us have relationships. We have kin people that we have little fellowship with. We are related because you, you, you kin to my mama them, daddy them folks. So we have a relationship, but we have little fellowship. And there are times in our, in our dwellings with God, we still have relationship. That's my daddy. I'm his son, but we have limited fellowship. The second thing that this idea speaks to is managing my thought life. Um, in Philippians chapter number four, verses number eight, it gives us instructions as people of God, what we should not only think on, but meditate on. It says those things that are a good report, those things that are true, that are honest, that are lovely. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, meditate on these things. And watch this. God does not control my thoughts, but he flows through my thoughts. Am I making sense? He, did, he, he doesn't control what I think, but he flows through what I think. And when my mind is set on godly things, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of a good report, then there's a free flow of the Holy Spirit through me. Watch this. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he or so he will become. But if my mind is full of unholy, impure things, watch this, I am hindering the flow of God Managing communion with God, making sure that there's no interruption. Here's, here's the third thing that I think of when, when, when I hear this statement, maintaining uninterrupted communion with God, having a lifestyle of prayer, having a, a life of prayer. And that's kind of where I want to hang my hat concerning the final thoughts of this series, um, Rocky Relationships. In the book of James, chapter number five, verses number 13, um, I want you to hear this. The scripture declares, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them what, y'all? It says, let them, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church. And what, what should the elders of the church do? To pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. 15 says, and the what, y'all? Prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If Look at the power of prayer throughout this text. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. This is where many of us miss it. We, we confess our problems to people, our issues with people, but we don't complete it with prayer. The Bible declares, confess your sins to each other and what, y'all? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it is effective. The prayer, the prayer. When we, when we bend our knee, when we bow our head, when we approach the throne of grace, the Bible declares what we pray, it is powerful and it is effective. Verse number 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Now, this is interesting because the man of God, James, is comparing us to Elijah. If I was to think of a distinction between me and the prophet Elijah, I would say he was the one that rained down fire from heaven, and I'm the one that did not. <laughs> Y'all feel me? He, he called fire down from heaven, and I'm the one who have never done that, never experienced it, never seen it in my life. But the scripture teaches here that the real difference between myself and Elijah is not the fire, but the Bible declares he was just as human as we are. But watch this. He prayed earnestly. The man of God had a consistent prayer life. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years Again, he prayed, watch this, and the heavens gave rain. Prayer, somebody just write, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. And the reality is, in many of our relationships, the most powerful thing to not only get us together, but to keep us together is often missing. We have too many prayerless relationships. Too many Christian, I'm not just talking about the world, I'm talking about the church, too many Christian prayerless relationships and because it's prayerless, it's powerless and so therefore when the enemy comes against the relationship, he finds the door wide open because there's nothing there standing to guard against him. I want to help somebody in this place. So I want to invite you guys into, I, I thought about how should I teach this, how should I lay this out, 
And, and so I'm going to use uh, quite a bit of personal examples. Matter of fact, it's, I'm inviting you into my prayer life, into my prayer closet. Yeah. It's three things that you must pray. Number one, you should pray for yourself concerning your spouse. That's right. I'm inviting you into my relationship. Number two, you ought to be praying for your spouse. And then number three, you should be praying with your spouse. Pray for yourself concerning your spouse. Pray for your spouse and then pray with your spouse. Many of you guys know my story, my testimony. And on a Saturday night around 6.30, 7 o'clock, October the 11th, 1998, my wife would be so shocked. I know those details like that. I was walking out of Danforth Chapel on USM campus, and I saw this Isuzu Rodeo coming down the street saying, wop, 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 wop. And they pulled over, and this, this red bone got out the car. Now, this is the way I remember. She says, I got a flat. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's the way I remember it. It stuck in my head that way. So with my chivalrous self, I go over there too and I say, I'll change your tire. Now, I've only met her once before. I met her earlier that summer. She was friends with one of my, with one of my friends and uh, he introduced me to her, but it, it is what it is. So th this is our first introduction. So I changed her tire and after changing her tire, she asked me out on a date. Now, this is the way I remember it. She says, I want to cook dinner for you. Brothers, don't that sound like a date? Sound like a date to me. She asked me, and I was like, no, nah, I'm a man of God. I'm, I'm getting ready to preach my first sermon. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. She's like, no, I'm going to cook for you. And for the next three weeks, every time she saw me, she said, I'm, I'm going to cook for you. I'm still going to cook for you. I mean, she was stalking the brother, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Stalking the brother, yeah. My wife, she's teaching children's church right now, so if she was here, she she would verify or deny. I don't know. So, 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 um, I don't know exactly when. I know sometime between October 31st and January 15th, we made the relationship official. We made the relationship official. A year later, November 1, I proposed to her. Never forget on a Thursday night after revival, I came to her, her, her house and I was so excited because I knew I had already talked to mom, talked to dad and got their, their blessings. And God told me November 1st to propose to her. And I, I came over to her, her house that night and I asked her a question. I said, if God sends me to Africa, um, would you would you go with me if I went there to minister? And uh, she looked at me and said, if it's the Lord talking to you, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, you finna blow this one. <laughs> you, you don't even know, but you finna mess this up. So I said, let me approach it another way. If the Lord speaks to me and he just sends me across the world to, to help orphans or to help people that are in need, would, would you travel with me? I don't know about all of that. I don't, I'm like, Jesus. I'm thinking to myself, God, I, I, I know I heard your voice say this is my wife, and I'm supposed to propose on November 1, but it ain't looking good right now. So I just went straight to the, I, he, I said, this is why I'm asking. I want you to be my wife. That changed her attitude right there. She said, ah! I wanted to say, oh, what a, what an attitude at. Propose November 1, 99. We are married a few months later, January 15, 2000. Holy matrimony. Watch this. This is what I bring into the relationship. Everybody knows relationships are going to have issues, have problems, um, just due to the fact that we're different, different backgrounds, grew up in different places. Um, sprinkle on top of that the, the attacks of the enemy and things that the devil speaks to her, speaks to me concerning each other. Seasoned on top of that, this is what I bring, brought into the relationship, three things. I brought my past pains, I brought my present challenges, and I brought my future worries. This was one of the reasons why it was so tough for us to move forward in our relationship. 
because I had baggage from my past that wasn't quite dealt with. I want to help somebody. Ah. See, there's some of you all, you have problems with your husband because you had daddy issues. Some of you all got problems with your wives because you had mama issues, and it's, it's, it's easy. Ooh, I want to help somebody. Watch this, watch this. If the supposed to be closest relationship to a female was distorted from the beginning, when you get ready to initiate the closest relationship to a female that you're supposed to have, those same issues transpose from mama sometime to wife, transpose from daddy, from daddy sometimes to husband. Put on top of that past issues. I know some of y'all are better than me. I know some of y'all are better than me. I got married. I can't remember how old I was. I was, I was young. I was 19 or 20, something like that. But watch this. Let's say I was 20, 20 years old. Um, prior to saying I do, the longest relationship I had ever been in was one year. So I was good at introductions. I was good for the first few holidays. Christmas. What's that fake holiday in uh, February? That one. I was good at those. But past the year, I was no good. Ooh. I was proficient and skillful of starting relationships, horrible at keeping and maintaining relationships. So I brought all of that into the relationship, not knowing that my past pains, my present challenges, and my future worries. God had to start dealing with me about praying for myself concerning my spouse. Because there was stuff I was asking her to change that really wasn't a problem. I was asking her to change because I wasn't healed. And so the stuff that she did change, she changed with resentment. I want to help somebody in here. She changed with resentment. And every time we would get to that bump in the road, she would remind me that she's doing this not because she wants to, but because I got some little issue or something with it. There was some past stuff that I had to deal with. So God challenged me to pray for myself. These are not on the screens. These are not in your notes. But I just want to highlight some things that Greg McGee had to deal with because we, we already had our share of issues and our issues really wasn't that bad. It was just the fact of the matter that they were exasperated by stuff that I had been through, stuff that I'm going through and worries. Watch this. It's too funny. My, my wife, she asked me this this morning, and I laughed at myself because I thought about it the other day. How many times she's asked me, Greg, what you thinking about? And I lied and said, oh, nothing. And she asked me that this morning. I couldn't do nothing but laugh. She said, honey, what you thinking about? I said, nothing. There's some things that I'm worried about, and the things that I'm worried about, she don't know about, but it is affecting us. All she sees is what's affecting us, but she don't see what I'm actually was actually troubling me. So these are some things that I had to pray. The first thing, I had to pray to God and confess to God that my current problems were rooted in unresolved past issues. That's what some of you all need to start. You need to make the confession that it might not be nothing wrong with her, might not be nothing wrong with him, or what I am blaming all on them is not totally on them. I got some unresolved issues. As a matter of fact, everybody shout, I got some issues. Don't lie to yourself and don't lie to us. If you're watching me online, just put it in the chat. I have some issues. Yeah, so I had to confess that I had, I had some things in my heart. Watch this. It's not just, just okay, I, I, I fell and I skipped my knee. All of us can point to traumatic issues in our past, scars, that might be still affecting us today. And there were some things in particular in my past that was affecting my present relationship. And this is the second thing that I had to do. After confessing to God that I realized that what happened in my past is still affecting me today, I had to relentlessly pursue God for mental soundness. Key is relentless, man. I don't know about y'all. God, whoo. I don't like the old me. I don't like him. Yeah, I, I got on my vision board right now, and I changed my vision board from just pictures and things that I want, but I've changed my vision boards to statements that are relevant to myself, things that, that God has said to me and things that I say about myself. And one of the things that I have on my vision board as a self-statement, I say, I like you, 
I love you, I forgive you, I trust you, and I believe in you. That's what I have on my vision board, and I see that. And I mean that today, there was a day that I didn't like Greg, I didn't love him, I hated him, showed didn't forgive him, didn't trust him, and didn't believe in him. I didn't like that dude that I was, and I, I cried out to God. I said, God, I need your help with this situation, and this is what God did. Watch this. He brought me deliverance and spiritual counsel. Somebody shout deliverance, shout spiritual counsel. That's what God had to do for me. Deliverance is, there were some things that he literally had to break off of me. I'm talking about, that there, there were some demonic strongholds that developed in my life based on issues that I didn't deal with and something, some that I would not deal with. It built up strongholds and I needed the hand of God to break it off of my life. And then there were some things that I didn't need deliverance from. I needed somebody to just walk me through. Come on, somebody. Oh, my God. Because everything ain't a demon. I want to help somebody in this place. God can deal with demons, but everything ain't a demon. There are some things that you need another brother or sister to take you by the hand and walk you through. So God brought about deliverance in one area of my life. And then he started placing these mentors and these men of God around me to take me by my hand. And to walk me through, I had to deal with some past pains. I'll never forget Jesus. And, and understand, deliverance is like layers. It's like layers. Yeah. Once you peel the first layer off, it may be a matter of weeks or months or sometimes years before the next layer surfaced as this is something that pointed to. I'll never forget, I was in, when I first took the freedom class, and I may talk a little bit about that later, um, one of the communicators, they stood up and they started talking about this particular idea. And um, he said at the end, before he brought everybody up for prayer, he says, I want you guys all to pray and ask God to reveal where you have been offended in this particular area in your life. And um, I'll never forget, because as he was ministering on this particular topic, I thought I was good. I thought I was healed. And so I just asked the question, I said, God, can you, if, if it's there on the inside of me, can you show it? Because if it's there, I want you to deal with it. And I'll never forget, as I bowed my head and prayed that simple prayer, I heard this thought in my head, I hate you. And when I heard that, I popped up and I just burst out in tears because there was some bitterness and hatred. I didn't know hatred was there. I knew it was a little rift in the relationship, but I didn't know hatred was in my heart against that particular person. I heard myself say, I hate you. It was there. I had to confess it. And that day, God broke some things off of me. Relentlessly pursue deliverance. And I want to challenge everybody in this building, man, if you got some issues in your past, if you got some issues that are still troubling you to this day, don't rest until you deliver. Don't rest until you are freed. Can somebody say amen right there? Here's the third thing that I had to pray for. I had to pray for a maintenance plan. I had to pray for a maintenance plan. had a great conversation with a friend um, maybe a few days ago, a few weeks ago. And um, we were talking about a particular issue. And I told him things that I do every year. There's certain material that I take myself through once, sometimes twice a year. Not because I'm struggling in this area, but because I never want to go back there are too many people who fall into dumb stuff because they have this deception as if because you have been delivered that you're just going to automatically stay there. No, the devil is always trying to drag you back. Can somebody say amen right there? So I had to pray concerning my past issues. I had to pray concerning my, my, my present challenges. These are three things that I presently pray in a variety of ways. The first thing that I pray in different types of ways, but it's always the same thing. I pray for the grace to handle the stress associated with my challenges. For any of you all who watched my YouTube message on yesterday, um, that's one of the things I just kept saying. God's going to give me the grace to get through this. Um, we, we had property, uh, uh, damages on three of our personal properties, damages on this church, uh, extensive damage on the south location. And all I could think about was the stress of Katrina wrestling with insurance companies and negotiating with, with, with roofers and all the other kind of stuff that you have to, uh, the hurdles you have to jump over. I kept saying, God, I know you're going to give me the grace to get through it. The second thing I pray is I pray for God to help me focus on the important. 
And sometimes you can stress yourself out. I'm chasing every rabbit that pops up, and you wind up missing the most important thing. I want to help somebody in this place. Focus on the most important. I was having a conversation with God last night, and it extended into this morning because as I'm kind of examining my life, um, I told my wife, she didn't know what I was talking about. I just, I just told her. I said, babe, I'm 42 years old. I'm 42 years old. She said, yeah, you old. <laughs> what I was doing, I was contemplating this morning uh, the amount of time that I have yet in effective ministry. How many years? J just giving a projecting based on my mentors when, when they finally retired or when they uh, passed the baton on to their successors about the amount of time. And so if I, if I only have X amount of years left, what is the most important thing that I need to be focused on? And I want to tell you guys what hit my spirit. I thought it was church growth, but this is what I heard in my spirit, kingdom growth. Because I'll be honest with you, I, I can grow a church. I, I can grow. What are you talking about church growth? I can get butts in the seats. <laughs> if, if it was just butts in the seats, that's easy to do. But I'm more concerned about souls in the kingdom of God. Say it the reverse way. I'm more concerned about potential souls that might spend eternity in hell because I'm more, about, more concerned about stroking my ego, seeing in a crowd of people. The devil is absolutely a liar. Pray for God to help me focus on the important. Here's the third thing. During challenges, I pray for spiritual sight to see my problems in their true size compared to my God. If you can get that, my friend, oh, my goodness, your, your confidence and your boldness will go to a whole nother level when you really compare your problem that's almost got you stressed out, half suicidal, when you compare that to the greatness of your God. Can you say amen right there? Concerning my future worries, my prayer, I'm talking about the totality of my prayer life, is based on 1 Timothy 1.18. Real simple. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, this Charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Now watch this. I just told you all that my vision board changed. The way my vision board used to look, Jeff, it used to have the house that I want to live in, the car that I want to drive, um, all the material things, and nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. I actually got three vision boards. The materialistic one is out in the shed. But the one that I literally see every day is in my office. And it is only filled with stuff that God has spoken into my heart. Because I'm telling you, when the enemy fights against you, the Apostle Paul is challenging Timothy, a, a timid man of God, to take what God has said concerning your life and allow that to be the sword that you use to overcome the enemy. So I have to see what God says. I want to help somebody in this way. I literally have to see what he said concerning my life, concerning my relationships, concerning this ministry, concerning my cause. I have to see that every single day. I want to help somebody. I still have on one of my vision boards where God spoke to me. He's, I was laying on my lounge, and I have a picture of my old house where God spoke to me when I heard him say empowerment ministries. I got to see that because I, if I be honest, there are times when I still doubt myself. There are times when I still doubt doubt the ministry although we've been here for 12 or 13 years there are times I still doubt that this is God but when I remind myself what he said I didn't call myself God called me to do this he says wage war with the prophetic words that have been spoken over your life so I have to pray for me concerning my spouse because I realize that there is baggage that I bring to the relationship that are exasperating the problems that we have. And some of the problems wouldn't be problems if I didn't have a problem. So instead of just telling her to change, maybe I need to look at myself first and say, God, where do, matter of fact, everybody just shout, God, where do I need to change? So I pray for myself concerning my spouse, and then I pray for, I pray for my spouse. I pray for my wife. I have a pretty active prayer life concerning my wife. I have an active prayer life. I pray for her regularly. Yeah, consistently. And this is why. Watch this. 
James chapter number four, verses number one, I want to highlight two, two thoughts out of this text. The scripture declares, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet. Yeah, let me back up. You desire, but you do not, ha you do not have, so you kill. And how many know you can kill not just with your with a knife, gun, but you can kill with your words. You can assassinate somebody. You can, you can take life away from them with the things that you say to them. And let me tell you, it's the easiest to do in a marital relationship because in a marital relationship, it's supposed to be the most intimate. It's supposed to be, th the scripture declares that Adam and Eve, that they were naked and not ashamed. So in essence, Everything that Adam had, Eve saw. Everything Eve had, Adam saw, whether it was perfection, imperfection, it was there. And because your spouse sees not only the greatness that other people talk about you. Come on. When I, when I, when I see my brother, when I see my sister, I got nothing but good things to say about him. But your spouse not only sees the good that we see. They see the ugly that we can't see. So when that person who you love, who you said I do to, lifts those things that are ugly and cuts you in the deepest part, it kills. You covet, verse number two, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you what, y'all? You don't pray. God revealed this to me some time ago concerning my wife that I wasn't praying for her, and there were certain things that I wanted in the relationship, but I didn't spend any time actually talking to God. I spent, a, anybody with me, I spent a lot of time complaining to God about it. God, you need to fix your daughter. <laughs> you need to change your girl. I spent a lot of time complaining to God about it, but I've never, I, I, at that particular time, I didn't really bow my knee to really approach his throne to ask him to intercede or, or to intercede on her behalf. Look at verse number three, and this is where I'm hanging up my hat on this point. When you ask, so for those of you all who are praying, and I started to pray, when you ask, you still don't receive, and the reason you still don't receive is because you ask with wrong motives. So here is one of the most powerful things that I learned concerning praying for your spouse. Learn to pray for your spouse for their benefit alone. Learn to pray for your spouse for their benefit alone. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It took me some time to arrive at this point, but I finally got to the point where I prayed the prayer. And, and let me tell you, my wife, in the past 20 years, we've gone through some very, very challenging times. There are many things that we've talked about that we've told you guys. And, and watch this. It's some stuff we ain't going to never tell y'all. <laughs> you will never know. <laughs> um, there were times we've gone through situations. I, I told God, th this, this was my prayer to God. God, I don't know if this is going to work. I believe that the marriage might be over but I still want you to heal my wife. I want to see her in peace, God. I want to see her delivered from the thing that's tormenting our mind. I pray prayers like this. God, even if my needs don't get met, God, I want you to fill the void in her heart. Whether it's my spiritual needs, emotional needs, sexual needs, I, th this is not about Greg. It's all about her. And I'm telling you, that added some fuel to my prayer life when I started saying it. And I really meant it that I'm praying for her despite me. Whether I receive, watch this, just, just being transparent. Whether I receive the benefit of her being better or her next husband, God, I'm really praying for my wife and for your daughter. I want her to be better. When I got to that point in my prayer life, I begin to see God do something not only in me, but I, I begin to see God transform some things on the inside of her 
because my prayers, watch this, they did not have a twisted motive behind it. What are you talking about twisted motive? God, I need you to change her because if you don't change her, I'm gone. So now you threatening God and you think God going to move because of your little threat. I can hear, I can hear heaven say, go on then. Watch this, and I'm almost through this. So this is what I know. January 15, 2000, um, we stood at the altar. Um, fine wife. Man, Jesus. Love my wife. We exchanged our vows. Said I love you. He said I do. And as soon as Reverend Sigur says, I now pronounce you husband and wife, at that moment, there were three things that my wife brought into the marriage. She brought past pains, present challenges, and future worries. <laughs> Just like I had my share of craziness, she had her share. And so God started teaching me to start praying for my wife. And stop threatening her because the reality is the same way I was threatening God, I was threatening her. If you don't change, I'm gone. And I told God, if you don't change, I'm, it's quiet up in here. I bet it's quiet online too. So I want to invite you all into my prayer life concerning my wife. I'm not going to give you the details, but I want to give you the general, general, general things that I pray concerning my wife. Concerning her past pain, I pray for healing because there are times, and I want to thank God for maturity. Somebody shall grow me up, Lord. I thank God for maturity because there have been key moments where I have seen my wife do some things that was very hurtful. And the thing that buffered my heart is because I saw what she did tied to what was done to her. And so when I saw the connection that she's reacting not to me, but she's reacting to somebody else who hurt her. It buffered the pain, and it caused me, instead of retaliating back towards her, because I'm in the relationships can get real, real nasty. Instead of retaliating, it helped me to pray for her. And one of the things that I pray, I pray for healing. God, heal her mind. Heal my wife's mind. Heal her from that pain, that's that, that thing, God, that happened to her that's still affecting her to this very day. Heal her. And again, the prayer is pure because it's not about me. Whether, whether I receive the benefit of, of this or not, I want my wife, I want your daughter to be free. The second thing that I do, I go into spiritual warfare on behalf of my wife. And I speak against the thing that I see. Now watch this. I never go up to my wife and be like, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. How many know that ain't going to work? That's not going to be pretty. But when I see the activity of the enemy around her, around our house, I go into spiritual warfare on her behalf. The, the third thing that I do concerning past pain is I demonstrate consistency in my actions so she will see that I am not them. Consistency in my behavior because I did something. I want to help somebody. I did something just like the last joker or the joker uh, uh, 30 years ago he did, but my motives were pure. His was impure, but I'm consistent in what I'm doing so she will eventually see, oh God, I want to help, that I am not then. The fourth thing that I do is I'm proactive in finding help for my wife when she needs it. And I want to speak to every individual in here, whether you're married or whether you maybe you're in a business relationship or partnership or some other type of covenant relationship. And you see some craziness going on in that individual's life that's tied to past pain. I want to encourage you to be the advocate to find them help. To tell you what I did. The first time that I went to Freedom, I was in Birmingham, Alabama. I had went through the, the curriculum, but I had, I'd never gone through the Freedom experience, the weekend. I went to the weekend in Birmingham, Alabama, and after two days of being ministered to, and those, I'm talking about literally, it felt like, it felt like weights had lifted off of my shoulder. I said to myself, I need my wife to go through this. I need my wife to be able to feel and experience what I, because watch this, I've been saved for a while, I had been preaching for a while, but watch this, had never been as free as I was that day. 
And if it'll work for me, I believe that it'll be a blessing for my wife as well. So, so y'all forgive me, EMCC. Y'all forgive me. So um, um, I knew that it was going to be difficult to say, honey, you got to go through this because she was going to get defensive. Now, what you talking about? Well, I, I, don't need to be, I don't need to be freed from nothing. You need the freedom. I, I knew it. I knew that was going to be a war. I knew, I knew already it was going to be a war. So I called him home and I said, baby, the Lord told me to take the whole church through freedom. <laughs> so y'all want to know why the whole church went through freedom? Because I got free and I needed my wife to be free. Can somebody say amen? Right? I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Y'all look at me crazy. But I want to shoot. Matter of fact, I said all my kids, y'all going through it too. All y'all. Aisha, come on. Greg Jr., Charity, all of y'all. I don't even know. Nate, get in there. Read the curriculum. <laughs> Find assistance. Find help. Find help. Yeah. Concerning present challenges. There are things that my wife has to go through. <laughs> I need you to hear me. Hear me. Let me say it more general. There are things that your spouse has to go through. And it's for their making, their perfection, for their ministry. If certain things that they do not go through it, they will never be the man or the woman of God that God desires for them to be. And, but the problem is what God is dictating them to go through because they're not handling it well is bringing adverse effects between the two of you. So on one hand, you really want to pray, God, don't let them go through what they're going through because what they're going through and you, you putting up on them is bringing division between us. But when I started seeing certain challenges, especially when my wife, she was in the school district, there were certain things that, that, that was just challenging for her. And I knew that this was a part of her making and a part of her ministry. I changed my prayer instead of God, take her out the fire. God, give her the courage and the boldness to go through the fire. Because how many know there's a difference between going through it and going to she ain't going to a fire. She's just going through a fire because God is trying to purify some things on the inside of her. When you heat fire at a certain level, all the impurities in the gold begins to diminish and you have nothing left but pure gold. And there are some of you all that are sitting here now that God is using your trials to purify you. You saying, God, take me out the fire, but God's trying to use the fire, Shadrach, to break the shackles off of you. So I changed my prayer. God, pray. I pray for her courage, her boldness. I speak against fear and intimidation right now that has you backing up from going through what you got to go through. Because how many know when God is challenging you to go through difficult times that he will do it? He will do it again. It's for your good. It's for your, he's not trying to break you, but he's trying to make you. So when he has you going through certain challenges, and, and some of you guys know, uh, what, what's that, what's that? What's that game? Double Dutch. A and you ever seen somebody just, and you're like, you're going to jump in? <laughs> and the longer they wait, the other people, I, they, just get <laughs> they just getting tired while you just waiting. You're dragging out certain things that God wants to do on the inside of you. So I'm praying, God, give her the boldness, give her the courage. And then I, get, I begin to speak against the enemy. Watch this. That's, that's highlighting the fear and the intimidation in her soul. Here's the third thing that I do concerning present challenges. I speak words of affirmation. I encourage my wife. Yeah. We need to learn the language of affirmation when it comes to trials. Because I'll be honest with you. Ooh -wee. I hear negativity literally all the time. <laughs> literally. There, there are people, I ain't complaining, I'm just being, it is what it is. There are people who constantly critique me, and I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at them. So there, there are certain things that are great critiques, things that I see, and I make a correction or change or add to it, whatever. It is what it is. But, but, but there are people who constantly critique me and then constantly compare me, watch this, to other people who has different destinies than I have. Pastor, it's, it's this preacher he started churches in Asia and Africa. And I'm like, God ain't talked to me about Africa. He ain't said nothing about Asia. He said something about Nagaport. 
And so when you hear these constant critiques, these constant cuts from other people, the last thing that I need to hear in my own house is somebody continuing to tear me down like folks outside my house did. So what I need and what your spouse needs when they are going through challenges, and there are times, there are times I have to be honest, there are times I have to overlook certain faults in order to speak positivity. Because I'm telling you right now, anybody that's married, you can always find something negative to talk about or to highlight in the relationship. There are times when you have to choose to say, I'm not dealing with that today. I'm discerning the, the spirit of my spouse, and I see that they don't need correction or critique today. They need to be lifted up. Can somebody say amen to that? Speak affirming words, and here's the fourth thing concerning present challenges, assist where appropriate. Again, when my wife was working in the school district, I prayed for, um, I spoke against adversaries and things that was attacking her mind and discouraging her. I spoke affirming words, but here's the fourth thing that I did. There were times when I went to the school myself to deal with stuff, <laughs> and I talked to the leadership concerning issues that was going on because what's going on here is affecting my house and I need you to fix what's troubling my wife so my wife can stop troubling me. Say amen. So when it's uh, appropriate to step in, step in concerning future worries and I'm almost done. Pray for restored hope and joy. I pray against anxiety and worry. I acknowledge the concerns while demonstrating confidence in God. Man, that's so good. Because oftentimes we're challenged with certain things. Sometimes it's financial trouble. Sometimes it's things that's going on with our children. Sometimes it's things going on within the church. And the role I try to play when I can. Let me tell you what I don't do. I'm not going to fake it. So if I'm hurting, I'll tell her that I'm hurting. If I'm, if I'm worried, I'll confess and I'll say I'm worried about this too. But when I'm in a place of faith, what I want to do, I want to acknowledge that this is a concern. I don't want to approach my wife with blind faith as if uh, God got it and I have no concern. No, this is a concern, but I trust God. Can y'all just shout that this is a concern, but I trust God? Yes. So you must pray for yourself concerning your spouse. Pray for your spouse. And then here's the final thing. You must pray with your spouse. You must pray um, with them. Lady McKee, come, 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 dear. Come. Yeah. You must pray. Pray with your spouse. Let me help you, girl. Y'all enjoy children's church? You look fine. You look tired. So this is my final um, thoughts concerning rocking relationships. And I talked about um, how you was chasing me down when we first, you know what I'm saying? Don't believe that. No. Didn't you ask me out on a date? No, I did not. I ain't never been the desperate one. You ain't got to be desperate to ask nobody out. I didn't ask you out. So didn't you I say, offered oh, to no, 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 cook no, no, no. dinner for you to thank you <laughs> for changing my tire. That's a difference. That's a difference, right? I just cooked dinner as a gesture okay. Okay. because he changed my flat tire. So you asked me out to eat? No. I so asked you, you invited me to come eat? Yeah. Okay. She asked me out. Okay. She asked me out. So I talked about troubles within a relationship and the power of prayer. Um, praying for yourself concerning your spouse because there's baggage that you bring to the relationship. And then praying for your spouse. And there's something I shared with them that God gave me um, years ago concerning you. To pray for you without my benefit. Okay. So just pray for you alone. So like w whatever you're going through, it doesn't matter how it affects me as long as she's okay. So that's a selfless prayer that I had to learn to pray. And then finally, praying with one another. Uh, which I would like to do much more of. Mm -hmm. Because this is the way we used to pray, y'all. It was... We first started doing this, uh, I was like, God, I know you know my wife is wrong about this matter. <laughs> and Lord, I need you to touch your heart. And, she, and then she'll reciprocate and she'll say, Lord Jesus, you know my, my husband deals with the spirit of stubbornness. <laughs> so you can just kind of imagine how that, that 
prayer session and the intimacy and the presence of the Holy Spirit didn't manifest. Gary Chapman gave us an idea um, that I really appreciate. He says, if you can't really pray together, either because of fear or because y'all throw jabs in prayer, he says, what I want you to do is just hold hands and just silently pray. And when you're done, you say amen so your partner will know that you're done. And when they're done, they'll say amen. Okay. And so that's what it looked like when we first started praying together um, 19, 18 years ago. We just hold hands and bow our heads. And I would say to myself, to God, Lord, you know my wife is crazy. <laughs> we matured a little bit and we were able to come together and although I would like to pray more together just on a day to day routine it never ceases to amaze me when we're facing challenging tough times and we join hands and we pray it, it amazes from, from this building being dropped in our hands to uh, issues that we've had with our babies throughout the years, financial issues that we've had, and we came together and we said we don't know what we're going to do. We do know that God has already worked it out. Amen. And the scripture teaches where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be. And when we come together, God shows up in an amazing way. And you want to know what you do? You devil-proof your marriage. Come on, give me, give me both hands. Give me, give me, give me. You, you, keep the, you keep the devil out of this space. When you pray for yourself concerning your wife, when you pray for your wife and then you pray for your spouse, you keep the devil out of this circle. And I want to challenge the believers today. Jesus, yeah, come, come join me, please. I want to challenge the believers to start praying. Start praying. It sounds like, you know, just a simple message. Well, pastor, I do pray, but the scripture teaches the difference between us and Elijah. It was the fact of the matter that he prayed fervently. Scripture speaks of Jesus praying until great drops of blood. I'm not talking about this popcorn prayer, neither am I talking about a 911 prayer, but I'm talking about approaching the throne of grace consistently and spending time in the presence of the Lord, concerning yourself for your wife, about your wife, and then with your wife. If we as believers would consistently do this, we will, we will find that the shakiness in our relationship, the unstableness in our relationship, will vanish away and we'll find ourselves, instead of being rocky, we'll find ourselves standing on a rock. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. So yeah, if this is what I want you to do. There, there are people that are watching us and there's some that are here today that find themselves, have been challenged with issues in the relationship and some have failed to pray for their wife, pray for themselves. Some hadn't been praying for their spouse or their partner at all. And I just want you to speak to that, whatever that thing is that might be hindering them from ushering themselves into the presence of the Lord, whether it's sin, whether it's doubt, whether it's regret, whatever it is. I just want to give you a moment just to kind of speak to that and to, 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 to minister and to pray. You all, let's, let's receive Minister Yafrika Edwards, please. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we just come before you, God. God, we thank you, God, that you have given our man of God such a message for a time as this, God, that it is so timely, God, that we know, dear Heavenly Father, that relationships are important to you. God, that you've given us the tools and you have equipped us, God, just with the things that we need, dear Heavenly Father, to have our relationships here on earth, God, reflect, dear Heavenly Father, your heavenly will. God, we know that marriage is ordained by you, God. And because it is ordained, God, we understand that there is a fight to destroy and divide marriages, God. So right now, Lord, I pray for every marriage under the sound of my voice, dear God. I thank you that men and women of God will rise up and go 
with the horizontal. God, I pray that husbands and wives will fall on their knees before you, God, that they will begin to cry out to you, God, to hear your voice and your will, God, that you will begin to reveal every broken place, God, every place of bitterness, God, every place of hate, dear Heavenly Father, every place of hurt, dear God, that gets in the way of communing with their spouse. God, right now, I pray for a divine interruption to happen right now. God, where there is division, dear Heavenly Father, where there is no communication, dear God, where there is stress, where there is strife, right now, God, I speak, dear Heavenly Father, over every marriage, now in the name of Jesus, to receive and walk in what you have ordained us to walk in. I come against the threat of the enemy, God. God, we make, dear Heavenly Father, we put you first, dear Heavenly Father. We magnify you, God. There is no problem that is too big for you, God. There is no hurt, God, that you cannot heal, God. There is no place, dear God, of disruption that your peace will not make whole. So right now, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing. I speak wholeness, God. I speak a refreshing and a reviving over every marriage now in the name of Jesus, God. God, not only is it going to be for our good, but God, we will be representatives of you, dear Heavenly Father. We will be representatives to the world on the community that you desire with your church, dear God. God, I thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that even in this, even in this midst of what is going on around us, in this midst of chaos, God, that you will begin to raise of holy marriages, God, to be an example to the world, dear Heavenly Father, of your design for the family. It is in your son, Jesus.